gather here in this place. Uh, Lord, I do pray for uh, Michael and Sonia, or for Michael, Lord, at the loss of Sonia. Uh, that is such a tragedy, and the whole body of Christ is really missing her now. Uh, so I do pray that you would discomfort Michael, encourage him, uh, and comfort their family in this time of this very tragic sudden loss. Uh, you are a good God, and I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in their life. Uh, and I thank you for the people here. Uh, Lord, I pray you'd open our hearts and minds today that we might encounter you and your word and be encouraged by you. And I pray, Father, that uh, you would clear my thoughts and focus my mind and help me to bring your word to your people this day boldly and faithfully through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm going to re be reading from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're continuing this study uh, that I've called sanctified, and sanctified means cleansed and consecrated unto the Lord. And the series is about how we live in light of the reality that people are expecting Jesus to come like, as never before. People are expecting an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come as never before. And we're really living in a season where there's really great things happening and there are really bad things happening. And these contrasts uh, seem more significant globally than ever before. So how are we as Christians to live with a strong, solid footing in light of these three realities? And that's what this series is all about, uh, living sanctified as cleansed and uh, consecrated people unto the Lord. But I'm going to begin reading with verse 1 of chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impunity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God, who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers and sisters, our labor and toil. We worked night and days that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. When you're in a situation like we're in globally, we cry out for leadership. 
Leadership is one of the most important things that our world needs today, as we know, whether it's uh, to deal with our government and Brexit or the NHS uh, or globally to deal with Europe or the United States or whatever, leadership is absolutely important. Yet in a season like this, you have many people who want to be leaders, many people vying for your attention and your allegiance to them as leaders, whether it be a political leader or even a church leader. But even more than leadership in this season, there is a crying need that people have and people all over uh, our city, all over our world are crying out. When I go to different places, say like Eastern Europe, uh, I hear the cry of people's hearts, not only for leadership, but for a particular kind of leadership. And this particular kind of leadership actually helps to explain a little bit why uh, a nation such as Russia would follow a guy like Putin uh, or uh, China would, would follow its leader, uh, uh, Prime Minister Xi, Xi, I can't pronounce his name. I can hardly pronounce English today, let alone Chinese. Uh, or even to a degree sometimes why somebody would follow Trump or, or any other leader. There is a cry in people's hearts for leaders who not only lead well, but who also are fathers. Many people in our world today are looking for fathers, whether it be the, the young man who grew up fatherless in his home because the father abandoned him, uh, or whether it be the church that is looking for somebody to serve as a, as a spiritual father, or whether it even be a nation that is looking for somebody to, to lead the nation like a father might lead a family. This desire, this cry for fathers is in the heart of so many people, yet, as we see around the world today, there are so few fathers. There are so few fathers. And so we need to ask ourselves, and if there's this cry for fathers, and if people do need fathers, and it really is, then how do you know if somebody really is a father? How would you know if a political leader was leading like a father, or even if a church leader was leading like a father? Because we have the same problems, whether it's politics or church or business. We have so many leaders that would claim to be fathers, that would claim to be looking out for the well-being of their country or their business or even their church, who in the end, when you scratch under the surface a little bit, you discover that actually they're only looking out for themselves. So the question is, how do we identify those who really are fathers so that we might follow them, so that we might be led by them, and so that we might experience all those benefits. Because this is a desire that God has put in our hearts, even as God has put in our hearts the desire to be able to call him Father and for God to be our true heavenly Father. So how do we look for fathers, especially how do we look for those who might be spiritual fathers? And there's a number of qualifications that Paul talks about in this passage that we read today. And so rather than going through it expositorily, I'm going to mention some of these characteristics that Paul brings out. First of all, Paul tells us that true fathers will embrace certain things, just like they embraced certain things. He says true fathers, first of all, will embrace suffering. 
You can only know somebody who will be a true father because they have embraced suffering. I know my own father. I often didn't appreciate him as I was growing up. But one thing I did know about my father and one thing I did appreciate is that my father went to work every day that he could. He almost never called in sick. In fact, I can't remember a time unless he was in the hospital for something that he actually called in sick to work. And he worked as a plumber, so it was a physically demanding job. Even as he got older, he was willing to embrace suffering for the benefit of me and my sister uh, and my mom. And all fathers will embrace suffering. And you can see that about many of the great leaders in the world today. They will embrace suffering, whether it's a church leader or a national leader. But they also embrace other things. True fathers are willing to embrace shameful treatment. Now, as a son to my earthly father, there were times when I treated him wildly inappropriately. When my treatment of my father was shameful. And I think that's probably true of every son. I'm not alone in that. Uh, if we have a father, that's probably true. My treatment was shameful, yet he embraced that. He didn't retaliate against me. Sometimes he disciplined me appropriately, but he didn't retaliate against me because he embraced that. Also, true fathers will embrace conflict. True fathers are willing to embrace the fight. Many people here at City Temple know I often say that I'm not really a pastor, although many people look at me askance when I say that and say, Rod, you got to stop saying that. But one thing people here do know is that I will fight for them. I will fight for them. Uh, and so true fathers are willing to embrace conflict. So they're willing to embrace suffering, shameful treatment, and conflict. But true fathers always refuse three things as well. True fathers always refuse flattery. There are a lot of people who like to flatter. And those who are not true fathers, they want the flattery. They want people to say, oh, you're a great man of God. Oh, you're a great leader. Oh, you're a really great person. They want to have the flattering poses. You know, that's how you can question some. Are they calling attention to themselves? Do they try to make themselves look good? That's all about flattery. And if somebody is going after the flattery, whether it's explicitly or implicitly, they're not really a true father. Because true fathers refuse flattery. True fathers also refuse greed. One of the great things about Billy Graham, and everybody knows this, is that Billy Graham, he could have been a multi-multi-millionaire many times over, but actually early in his ministry, he said, no, my salary, I will live by a salary that is set by the board. I will not set my salary, and it will not be based on the amount of money coming into the ministry. And so he lived humbly. He would, didn't live, live totally simply, but he lived appropriately and humbly because he refused greed. And true fathers will refuse greed. True fathers don't want to get a bigger house on the basis of everybody else or build a bank, bigger bank account on the basis of everybody else. They refuse the greed. And true fathers also refuse to seek glory for themselves. Paul would say, you know, our aim is to please God. And we want God to receive the glory. We don't want to receive glory ourselves. But true fathers are not looking out for the glory. True fathers will often put the glory on their children. Or certainly on other people. So true fathers embrace suffering, shameful treatment, and conflict. They refuse flattery, greed, and seeking glory. 
But then how can you begin to see who might be a true father? Well, true fathers will show themselves in four characteristics. First of all, true fathers are gentle. Paul says like a, a, a mother with her nursing baby. We were gentle among you. Gentleness is a big evidence of somebody who's a true father. Yet so many leaders treat people harshly and wrongly. Second, true fathers show themselves in their generosity, particularly their personal generosity. I, I know a lot of people who are willing to be generous as long as it's not their money. But when it comes to their own money, they're kind of stingy. But true fathers, as Paul did, say, hey, we, we were willing to share everything with you, not only the gospel, but even our very selves. True fathers always show themselves in their generosity. True fathers also show themselves in the way that they work hard so that they're not a burden on anybody else. I've seen leaders, I've seen church leaders that want the big salary and want everybody to take care of them, but true fathers will refuse that. True fathers do not want to be a burden, and so they work hard. They work hard. And true fathers always show themselves in their righteousness and blameless conduct, in the way they behave. Every time, if you watch and you start looking for uh, gentleness, generosity, hard work, and you look deeper, you will always see some degree of righteousness and blameless conduct. Now, you'll always find fault, by the way. You'll find fault. If you look deep enough with me, you'll find many faults. Every leader, every father is the same way. But overall, the conduct will be righteous in right relationship with others and blameless, that is, not intending to sin, not intending to do wrong. And so time after time, you will see these characteristics. I know church leaders who are harsh and demanding. Uh, I heard one church leader uh, just this past week who seems to always want to get his own way and doesn't care how he treats other people as long as he gets his way. That's not a father. That's not even a true godly leader. But certainly not a father. Because fathers are not harsh. Fathers are not stingy. Fathers are not lazy. Fathers are not willfully sinful. And so you can recognize that. And so many times, one of the big mistakes we make, by the way, is that we evaluate somebody as a father or even as a leader without taking the time to really get to know them. I want to get to know somebody. I want to take the time. Now, there are people that I recognize their gift and I recognize their skill in ministry or in politics, but I want to scratch the surface. I want to find out what is their home life like? How are they treating the people around them? I listen for the stories. And if you want to know a true father, watch how they treat the secondary leaders or servants around them, people who are serving the Lord. Now, for example, most Christian leaders will treat other Christian leaders very well. I find few Christian leaders are willfully rude toward other leaders. But how did they treat the person collecting the offering? How did they treat the greeter at the door? Do they spend as much time with the greeter at the door as they do with the pastor of the church? Do they, or do they walk past the greeter at the door to get to the pastor of the church more quickly? These will show you, these kinds of behaviors give you clues as to whether or not a person might be a true father. 
because true fathers will always show themselves as true fathers in their characteristics. And finally, true fathers have work to do, but their work, in, in addition to the other things that they do, they do the work of exhortation. In other words, true fathers, true fathers are helping people to understand the way to go. I remember uh, uh, growing up, my mom used to frustrate me uh, a lot because uh, she'd, she'd say, Rod, help me clean the house. And I'd say, okay, what do you want me to do? And then she'd get frustrated and say, well, if you can't see what needs to be done, then just go to your room. Uh, I love my mom, and I honor her before the Lord, and I know she's with Jesus right now. So, uh, uh, but you know, that's not the kind of thing that a father does. A father doesn't say, son, and obviously she was my mother, not my father. A father doesn't say, son, you can see what needs to be done, so go do it. A father is somebody who comes alongside and, and helps the son do what the son needs to do, or helps the daughter do what the daughter needs to do. And that's what's meant by exhortation. Exhortation is, this is what you need to do, and this is how you can do it. And then the fathers do the work of encouragement. Encouragement is where you, it's like a cheerleader. Yes, you can do it. You can do it. Come on, take the next step. You can do this. I've seen fathers oftentimes with their children as they're learning how to walk, and that's how they act. So, so the true father might come alongside the son and help him walk, and then the father will encourage the son to take steps on his own. And then fathers will challenge, but particularly challenge people to live a life worthy of God, if you, especially if you're spiritual. So true fathers are those that are exhorting, they're encouraging, but they're also challenging. And if you're not getting challenged, you don't have a true father. Many people get upset when fathers challenge them. But that's the role of a father. Fathers need to challenge. In the end, we need true fathers today, and we need to learn how to recognize true fathers, and we even need to aspire to be true fathers. By the way, that means even if you're a woman. You know, men and women, fathers and mothers, it's the same thing. We need these kinds of leaders in the world today. Maybe God has equipped you for that, or maybe God just wants to link you with that. But it's key that you discern wisely because the choices that you make really make a big difference. But in the end, it's all about the kingdom and glory of God. We look for fathers, we want fathers, we pray for fathers, not because we'll feel good, but because we want God's kingdom to go forward and the glory to go to Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you, and I pray that you would help us to discern the fathers in our lives. Help us to discern those that you have called and gifted to be true fathers that we might follow as you have designed us to do. And in all things, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to live faithful and holy lives before you. Through Jesus Christ, for we pray all this in his name. Amen. <laughs>